we're going back into our series titled Better Together. Look at your neighbor. Say, I'm better because of you. Now, some of y'all didn't say that right now because y'all argued on the way to church. Now, let's try that one more time. Look at him in the face. Fake it till you make it. And say, I'm better because of you. Now, if you have a spouse next to you and you did not look at them and tell them that and you look to the other neighbor, I now know what your problem is right now. Amen. You are not being better together this morning. Amen. Baby, I'm better together. Amen. I'm better because of you. Amen. And she's like, yeah, you better say that. Amen. All right. Ecclesiastes chapter four. I want to read through this text of scripture again because I believe it deals with where we are as a people right now. I believe that the word is full of scriptures that deal with our current circumstances. God did not write the word so it could only be for one timeline. God wrote the word so it would be eternal. Okay. So the word changes not because God changes not. And if God is the word, then they both don't change. And so this word is still relevant today. And so the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, I want to read this to you, and then we're going to go back and break down some more this week. It says there in verse 1, it says, Again, I observed all the oppressions that take place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed with no one to comfort them. The oppressors have great power and their victims are helpless. So I concluded that the dead are better off than the living. But most fortunate, wait, let me stop right there. I got to go back because it just hit me. No wonder suicide is so up. Because people have started to believe that it's better to be dead than it is to be alive. I don't know if you realize this. Depression, anxiety, worry, doubt, confusion, suicide, drug overdoses are higher now than they've been in the last 20 years. Somewhere along the line, the oppression has become so demonic that now they are trying to find an escape from the life that they live. Look, what? look, look around long enough. I, I, I'm going to say this because it grieves my heart as a pastor. I'm watching pastors that I've listened to that are having extramarital affairs on their wives and they're destroying their families because they are dying in their struggles. They are choosing another life over the life that God gave them. They are choosing an alternate space and it has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. It has everything to do with pleasing the flesh. He goes on, he says, so I concluded that the dead are better off than the living. But most fortunate of all are those who are not yet born, for they have not seen all the evil that is done under the sun. Then I observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. Have you ever done this? Have you ever looked on social media and seen somebody get a blessing and get a little frustrated because you didn't understand why it wasn't you? And the church went deafening quiet. Because I'm not going to admit to that, Pastor. Have you ever had an envious moment where you, you wanted what someone else had or you didn't understand why God wouldn't do that for you? Why, why God would do that for that person, but why wouldn't he do it for me? Listen, because we're basing our success on material things rather than the promise of eternity. Because they can have all of the stuff, but they might have no peace. They can have all the stuff, but they might have no joy. They can have all the stuff, but their marriage might be falling apart. They can have all the stuff, but their kids don't even care. They can have all the stuff, but yet they sleep in separate bedrooms. 
And I observe that most people are motivated by success because they envy their neighbors. But this too is meaningless, like chasing the wind. Fools fold their idle hands, leading them to ruin. And yet, better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. Verse 7 says, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who is all alone without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless and depressing. Tim and I have had this question. We've talked about this in in years past because I understand that uh, I'm the guy who likes to go have fun. I'm I'm not sitting there creating a doomsday scenario fund or if the world goes to apocalypse, we got to have a a back door to escape and all that stuff. I'm like, man, let's just go have fun. That's That's how I live. But my wife, I understand, and women help me for a second. If I'm wrong, you can throw me under the bus. But you like safety and security. You like to know it's all going to work out ahead of time. Men are like, I'll just go work and we'll figure it out. But most women are like, no, we, it's got to look like this, right? And, and, so, and so I remember years ago, Tiff and I were talking, and, I, and well, we got to have money to make. And I remember asking this question, how much is enough? Because there are moments in my life that I have felt like I'm working and it'll never be enough. How much is it till we get to that place where we can breathe, where we can rest, where we can know that we're okay and that there's no longer stress and strife? What am I working for? In fact, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It's also meaningless and depressing. Two people are better off than one. Somebody say amen. amen. That was 12, y'all. Thank you. For they can help each other succeed. And if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three or even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. This scripture speaks volumes to what has to happen in the church, in the world today. It has to happen. If we keep ignoring it, we are only going to keep ourselves stuck in the same pattern we've been in for years. So here's the thing. It is stupid to continue to whine about something you are refusing to deal with. Well, I, I hate that we're divided, so stop dividing. I hate that we're not, we're not friendly, so start being friendly. I, I hate that we don't talk, so start talking. I hate that that we don't have relationships, so start building relationships. But let me say as a sidebar to this, not all relationships work. And you have to put yourself out there and understand that some people are not going to receive you. It's okay. You're not going to die. You're going to live. You're going to make it. Just suck it up, buttercup. It's going to be okay. Because here's the truth of it. Some people aren't where you are yet. But maybe somebody needs you to step in so that they can learn how. I, 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 I'm always perplexed by social media, and I know I bring it up a lot because I feel like the more and more I pray, the more and more I seek God, the more and more I realize the divisiveness and the control that this thing has. It has a control. Prove it. You post something, and you keep checking your phone to find out how many people liked it. Well, how many likes do I have? How, how popular am I now? shouldn't be called Facebook. It should be called Pride Book. 
because it's creating a culture of envy. It's creating a space in us that causes us to lose sight of the promises that God has for us. Do you know the people that liked your picture don't care about your picture? They're just too bored to do anything else with their lives. So they scroll and scroll and hit a button, scroll and scroll and hit a button. But let me ask you this question. When was the last time that person called and checked on you? When was the last time that person had a cup of coffee with you? When was the last time that person broke bread with you? When was the last time that person found out what your needs were? Oh, but I like your pictures. I like what you're doing with your family. It's funny. We went to the beach a couple months ago, and and we posted a family picture, and it was amazing how many people liked my picture but don't like me. (laughs) Oh, we like your... But you ain't talked to me in five years. Why are you liking my picture? You stalker? You weirdo? Get a life. I'm not knocking social media, but we got to use it for the right purpose. Are you using social media to benefit yourself, or are you using it as a tool to love others? Gasp that sucker in for a second. Because, my God, i got to have Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, and, and nobody cares about you that much. I gotta post all these cross posts and, and I gotta check them all and then I, and then and you wonder why there's no word in you. Because now you're living off the word of man, not the word of God. And then you're having to use the word of God to combat the word of man that has now found itself trapped on the inside of your spirit. And you wonder why you battle with envy and pride and disgust and you wanna check out from this planet so you can end your life somewhere else. So this morning I wanna move into the next portion of scripture, and that is in verse nine. And I have to be honest with you, I, I was trying to break these things down as I went, and I got to this point in, in, in verse, uh, uh, hold on, let me, let, me, let me find it here, in verse, in verse 11, where it says, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. And I, I was really trying to find a storyline to drive that point home, and then I realized I was going to create some confusion in this, because some people would be like, well, pastor just wants us to, and I'm like, can't do that. So I'm, I'm sliding past this one because they kind of, re, as I was reading it, the text actually goes with the verse before that, that it's going back to that space that two bring life to each other. That's what he's meaning with that scripture. But you know how people misconstrue stupid stuff sometimes and, and then they go, oh, well, pastor means this. Or I didn't want to get you trapped in that space. So let me just help you with that. That verse of scripture goes with the verse before it where it, it, it's talking about we bring life to each other. Okay, we, we bring life to each other. That's what we were meant to do is to bring life to each other. I'm better because of my wife. Do you understand that? I'm worse without her. Pastor, how can you say that? Because I was miss, I, the things were missing until she came along. I was not complete. She brought life to me. She didn't bring the side of, ooh, I got a hot wife. Although that did happen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm having a moment. Just give me a second. All right. But the truth be told is, is that when she came, she brought better life to me. She brought an ex, ex, a, a, a deeper level of life. You may prove it. I have four beautiful kids that I would not have been able to have without her. So she didn't only just bring life to me, she brought life to us as a unit. I could not have performed all of those things or made those things happen on my own. You are better when somebody is a part of your life rather than being alone. And here's the problem that I see in the church all the time is that we would rather be alone than be together. We would. We'd rather be separate and isolated and disconnected instead of getting over ourselves long enough to find out that the person sitting next to us can actually bring strength into our lives. 
He goes on in this, in this, in this point of Scripture. Oh, let me read this to you again. In verse 9, it says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. And if one person falls, the other one can reach out and help. Last week, we discussed the lame man and the four men who picked him up and lowered him down into the, into the roof to put him right next to Jesus so he could receive his healing. Listen, it is time for you and I to realize that we are appointed for such a time as this. Not to be right. I'm just going to let it sit for a minute till you grab it. He said, I said, not to be right, but to be better together. Not to be political, but, but to be better together. Not to be a color, but to be better together. We are not called to finish the race to receive the accolades, but to demonstrate the love of God to those on this journey and bring them home. What if I told you it is not about you getting a trophy? It is about you becoming the trophy on God's mantle. Not just the ones who act like us, talk like us, or even go to church with us, but everyone. Can I just say this as a sidebar? Can, you, can we please stop saving church members? Amen. Look, I led them to the Lord. They were already here. You didn't do anything. You saw them crying. Here, come here, I'll walk with you. God was already moving. Go out there and get the one who doesn't know him yet. Go out there and find the one who has rejected him, who's been hurt by the church, and bring them home. That's the assignment. Bring them home so that we can receive the accolade together. It's not your trophy, it's his. But here's a good question. If we continue to leave each other behind, do we actually ever finish the race? What if the prerequisite to the kingdom of God was how many people you brought with you? What if the prerequisite to entering into heaven was not that you played good church on Sunday? That you punched your clock and checked in and were like, oh, look, I looked on social media. Look, I checked in at the house slide L. But that you actually, that you actually went and reached the lost and brought them home. Unfortunately, the church has created a culture of hoarding. Hoard God to myself because I'm afraid I might lose him. Let me help you with something. You only lose him if you don't give him away. He was meant to be shared, not to be held in your pocket so tightly that the, that the enemy knows how to come in in the middle of the night and steal it from you. Make him have to go find everyone you gave him to rather than just be able to take it from you. I want God to come. I want the enemy to come to my house and come into my bedroom while I'm sleeping and go, I can't, can't find God in here on his, on his bedside table. You're right. You can't because I gave him to 42 others. So you're going to have to go visit. You, you don't have enough manpower to go visit the 42 others and steal him. Because that's what we're supposed to do. It's time for us to be concerned, not with culture, but with each other. It's time to be better together, to put down the divisive agenda, stop attacking people, and love them. Watch this. The Bible says it's the love of God that draws man to repentance. It is not your opinion. So if you got opinions, keep them to yourself because no one's going to get saved by them. Okay, you may give you one. Here you go. Here, you go. Here, here it comes. Ready? Here it comes. Freebie. How many of you got family members that are in sin? Come on, wave at me. Pastor, I got some. Okay. You ever notice that when you tell them they're in sin, it doesn't save them? Mm. They just struggle sometimes. Now, I'm not saying you can't share that with them in love, but the problem is, is that we spend more time sharing our opinions rather than the love and the grace that God demonstrated to us. And so we love them through the season that they're in rather than try to hurt them in the season they're in. They're already hurt. That's why they're there. 
and we don't love them through it. We've got to bring the love of God onto the table. Now, this is not one of those grace messages because y'all know me. I believe in repentance. I believe that there is still a judgment seat of God. I know some churches don't believe that. Don't even preach that mess anymore. They're like, oh, no, God's just a loving God, and that's all he does. I hate to break this to you, but God is still a mercy seat but a judging father, and judgment is the Lord's. And if you don't believe that, you have not read your Bible. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm old school in that. So just understand, I believe in the grace of God. But I believe that the grace of God comes when I respect the judgment seat of the Father. But if I deny the judgment seat of the Father, then grace cannot abound in me. Okay? A person standing alone in verse 12 can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back together. Today, I want to focus on this one piece of Scripture. Because by reading this, I start to see and understand why people are struggling every day to succeed. A conquered person is a sign that they are standing alone. A conquered person, a broken person, is a sign that they are all alone. And the problem with most people today is that we do not care if they break. As long as it's not me. I'm okay if Sydney goes to hell and back. At least it wasn't me. I'm okay if, if Ben has a struggle in his life. At least it's not me. We spend more time trying to prove to God that we're holy when if we really understood that holiness is what we demonstrate to others who are going through seasons of despair. Hmm. Well, let me, let me get God. Let me put it in my pocket. Let me keep it to myself. And, you know, hey, listen, I'll be, I'll be praying for you. Can I, can I just say this to you as a sidebar real quick? That statement nauseates the fire out of me. Please pray for me. Okay, I'll pray for you. Liar. You lie. You didn't pray. Because if you really were going to pray, you'd have prayed right there. I've had people text me and go, Pastor, please pray for me. I'll text them back a prayer. I'm, I'm just typing. It's long. It's long. You're just going to have to read that sucker out loud and enjoy the ride. But you said pray. I'm going to pray. Because that's, that's how we demonstrate Right? But, but when we, when we've gotten ourselves off to pushing past it, or, or we see somebody in a wheelchair, oh, Lord, or bless them. Lord, Lord, touch them. Oh, Lord needs to touch you. Because if God was dwelling on the inside of you, you'd be compelled to go and pray for that person because you're not okay with them being broken. You're not okay with them going through a struggle. You're not okay with them dying. We're okay with people dying. You know why? Because hell is not even a place to us anymore. It's a vacation. Because we, we're not concerned with going to hell any longer. Well, you know, I tried, and it should make it okay. I hope to God that you finally realize what Jesus did for you. That God wasn't okay with you going to hell. So he said, you know what? I love them so much that I'm going to send myself in human form to die on a cross to demonstrate my love and to become the sacrificial lamb. When was the last time you were willing to die for somebody? Mm. When was the last time you were willing to give up you for somebody else? My, 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 wife, my wife and I talk about this all the time. I'm, I'm a purger. Anybody want to join my team? I'm a purger. I don't like stuff. I don't like clutter. I don't like keeping stuff that doesn't have any effectiveness in my life. And I don't need to sell it. I give it away. That's who I am. Well, we could sell that. We don't need to sell it. Give it away. God bless us with it. Give it to somebody else who needs it. But don't give away your trash. Can I just say this to you? If it's trash to you, it's probably going to be trash to somebody. But Pastor, one man's trash is another man's treasure. No, they're hoarders. 
And they probably don't have room for it either. My wife sometimes likes to find stuff. And like, look what I got. I'm like, why? We didn't need it. Yes, we did. We could use it one day. When? I don't know. Just put it in the garage until then. No! That's the only room I got to myself. So one, y'all know what I'm talking about? Like the kitchen, ladies, y'all know what I'm talking about? The one drawer in the kitchen that y'all put everything in when you don't know where to put it? Like you put a screwdriver on the counter, on the counter and all of a sudden the cat screwdriver's gone. You're like, babe, where's the screwdriver? I put it in the drawer. Why did you put it in the drawer? I didn't know where to put it. Or my wife, she puts everything in the garage. Where's that? I put it in the garage. Why? I don't know. She put it in the garage. Who's going to pick it up? You. Thanks. I'm tattling on you today. Amen. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Here's the problem that I see a lot of times is that we tend to be bystanders to people's calamity rather than come alongside of them in their need time of need. We enjoy a good thriller. And we hope that they make it out. But we are not concerned with whether they do or not. What happened to a body of believers that said, I'm with you till the end? What happened to a body of believers that actually claimed the same word that Christ claimed over us that says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you? That I'll be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You know, in my life, I made a lot of mistakes and I hurt a lot of people growing up and I made some really ill real decisions. But you know what was crazy to me? And I, and I use this story a lot. I, I'll never forget. I, I got arrested on Easter Sunday. I was t- in my early 20s. There was one man in my life that I never wanted to upset. I didn't care about my dad. I didn't care about my stepdad. I, there was one man I did not want to hurt. You go, that was God. Perhaps that was God. No, it was my grandfather. And I remember the day I got out of jail. I walked out of the jail. I was out of the jail, Polk County Jail. Most ugliest jail on the planet. Encounters, we can talk about that another day. There was an angel that visited me inside that jail. His name was Bubba. He was a big dude. Okay. But I walked out of the jail that day, and who do you think was standing outside the jail? Now, first of all, you walk out of prison and you see your grandfather. That messed me up. And I remember he walked up to me and very sternly, if you, you've never seen, none of y'all have ever seen Papa angry. Thank God for that. Because you know you have to upset a person to make Papa mad. He looked at me, put his hands, his big hands on my shoulder. He goes, we need to talk. And I went, oh, God. (laughs) But what I didn't realize is the conversation that we were going to have was not how bad I was, but how good I could be. And I was hurting, and I was broken, and I was falling apart, and I was dating a Jezebel. Amen. I was, I was with somebody who was trying to steal my strength. And my grandfather looked at me and said, you've you got you to stop. This is not the plan for your life. He didn't sit by and go, well, you know, I love my grandson. I hope he makes it. He said, I love him enough to show up in where he's at and meet him where he is and not judge him but love him through this until he comes out of it. Marriages fail because of this reason right here. Because we don't walk with each other, we walk away from each other. 
The moment one of us doesn't do what the other one likes, we say, you know what? Forget you. I'm done with you. I'm disconnected from you. I don't love you. And let me say this to you. If you can go to the place where you say you're willing to walk away from where love was. Now, understand what I mean by that. If you're being beat in a marriage, that's not love. Got it? If, you're being, if things are happening in your marriage that are not godly, according to what the word says true marriage is, that is not love. So don't call it love. But if there was love on the table and love was enacted into the marriage and you go through a rough spot and it is easier to walk away, I need to tell you that love never existed. Because love doesn't quit. It never fails. True love walks through all things. You remember when I, I remember when I got married? I, my, my vow said, for better or worse, in good and bad, till I'm done. Not when I'm done emotionally, until I breathe my last. The one commitment, the one covenant I made with my spouse is that it doesn't matter what we go through, I'm not walking. I'm committed, no matter what. But today's culture... It gets a little tough. Now I'm out. Now we, now we, now we get married before we're married. Because we want to give it a test drive. And then when we don't like how it works, we trade in the car. I'll find something else. We don't even commit to our marriage. We don't even commit to our children. We put them on devices and shove them in bedrooms and let the world raise them. And when our kids go through struggles, we go, I don't know what to do. Let's... Do something else with them. We kick them out. I've been on that one. Instead of love them because Christ loved us. I know this isn't popular teaching because we've been cultured to be this way. We tend to sit back rather than to step in. It's a dangerous place when we can sing and shout his praises one moment and then idly sit back and disconnect from his creation and say, that's not my problem. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't say that to you? 4.12 says, Ecclesiastes 4.12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. If Christ dwells in you, then their struggle is your struggle until you come out together. Pastor Dylan, come here for a second. I'm going to give this into two areas of illustration, but before I get into this next piece of scripture, I want to show you this. Stay right there. Stay right there. Stay right there. There are probably some of you in this room who go, I could take Pastor Brian. I could, I, could, I could get him. I could take him out. I could do it. I'm tough. I'm bad. You'll know me. I got this. You, you see that, right? I, I can, I, I'm good with that. We've all had that bravado thoughts. I get it. Machismo. Get it. But if I'm standing here and Pastor Dylan comes right here, You still think you can take me? Tasha <laughs> Dillon's going, please don't answer that. <laughs> okay, Kurt, come here for a second. I'm messing y'all so bad right now. Woo! Watch, 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 watch. Watch. You still think you can take me? You saw that? <laughs> <laughs> Because we know something you don't know. <laughs> Y'all go, what you know? Don't worry about it. <laughs> you want to try it, you might find out. Amen. <laughs> try it, you might like it or might not. Big Rob, come here for a second. 
Mr. Sean, come here for a second. <laughs> TC, come here for a second. Rodney, come here for a second. <laughs> see, see y'all, y'all be like, man, I want to go up there. I want to go up there now. I want to be a part of that. Wait, wait, watch, watch. I'm going to need you to play a minute, a minute, Ben. Hold on. You still coming? Oh, yeah, I got you, but I promise you, you don't. I don't even know how far I can tell. I promise you, I'm not worried. I'm going to stand right here, and I don't care what you say, because I know who's with me. The problem is, is that this is not what we do. We stand up on our own. We dismiss everybody around us. We refuse to become friends with people. We refuse to become relatable to people. We refuse to build relationships with people, even with people that are not our size, not our stature, not our age. We refuse to do all these things, and we find out that we're all alone, and we stand and go, I got this. You can't take me. Oh, yes, they can, because you don't realize that you are really weak right now. The Bible says that a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And if two can stand back to back and conquer, baby, what do you think I can do with this stage right now? So you find out that you were never built to be alone, but that you were built to be together. There is strength. A thousand, one can put a thousand to fight, two can put ten thousand. How many? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. If I added another one up here, we put a lot of, lot of angels to flight in this moment. A lot, a lot of angels. A lot, a, lot, a lot of things could happen. Maybe the reason you're not getting where you need to be is because you keep trying to do this foolishness by yourself. Life was never meant to be alone. If life was meant to be alone, he wouldn't have made Eve. Hello. Then you'd be really bored and tired and worn out and understand understand what you're doing with your life because God said, man needs somebody. Let me create Eve. Let me form her out of him, but let me put them together because man was never meant to be alone. But let me say this to you men in the room. Just because you got a wife, you could still be alone. Because there are things in this life. Kirk and I had breakfast yesterday morning. What did you talk? Y'all talked about the church. Actually, we didn't. We talked about Germany because I live there and he's visited. We talked about, uh, we talked a little bit about some politics. We talked about uh, life. We talked about family. We talked about, we did talk about the church for a minute. We talked, uh, we talked a little sports. We talked about Florida, my wife's new favorite place to go visit now. Um, we, we talked about a lot of things. We talked about things. We talked about life. We didn't have to sit there and, and discover and, and uncover the, the mysteries of the world and come up with an answer. We, we just needed to talk. And the other thing is we could talk about struggle too. Hmm. There's a danger when we are so unwilling to admit that we're in a rough patch. That, hey, man, I, I, need, some, I need some strength around me. Because when, when, watch, 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 watch. Just, guys, link up for just a moment. Just, just, just link up. Why, why'd you have to go to the top? You didn't like that? No, no, you go that way. How about that, sucker? Okay. Trying to be, trying to be the man in this moment. You better calm down. What's wrong with you? You let the pastor preach right now, boy. It's the beard. It's the beard. Amen. Now watch, 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 watch. Um, so if I, oh, wait, 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 if I, wait, wait, if I, oh. Now watch, what happens is, is now, right now Dylan's holding the majority of me right now, right? But, but what happens when Dylan starts to go down? Oh, watch, 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 watch. See, there's strength in these numbers. I'm putting all my weight down. I hope y'all know that. Um, I'm really, what, my, my elbow is messing with you. What's wrong? Okay. Here's the thing. 
they're there so that until I get strong enough. But watch this. Kirk, go down. I got you. I got you. Robin, we got you. And when I don't think I've got him, I'm going to lean into Dylan to get a little more strength. Go, go back. Go back. Go, go wherever you want to go. Go ahead. We got you, but we're going to drop you. Go, go ahead. Now, see, you got scared for a second there because I leaned back a little bit, didn't you? He going to let me fall. No, listen. He said, listen, there, there are, there's strength when we got each other. There, there's strength that happens. Now, ladies, let me say this to you. This works the same for you. You need each other. Can I just say this? I don't want to be my wife's only friend. Praise the Lord. I don't. I don't. There are things I don't want to talk to her about. Amen. Can I get an amen from one husband in the room, please? I'm like, I need you to have some girlfriends. Y'all can talk because I'm out. I don't want to have this conversation. I don't know. I'm stupid. I don't know. Why don't you know? If you loved me, you would know. I don't know. Stop it. All the married men are laughing right now. They're like, Tag coming, he's right. I'm stronger with these men around me. And watch this. Only two of these men function in roles of pastor. The rest of these men have other things that they do. They don't have to be me. They have to be them. And I gain strength from that. Go sit. Two can conquer when we're back to back. But when we're alone, we falter, we die. We struggle. We fall apart. We don't know how we're going to make it. Anybody ever been there where you feel like, you're like when is this ever going to change? I'm going to help you with something. The thing that you're in the middle of is because there's nobody around you. I have people around me that will love me even when I'm wrong, but aren't afraid to tell me I'm wrong. Hey, I love you enough to tell you this. Not everybody can be that person in your life. This is not an invitation to make everybody your best friend. Everybody was not intended to be your best friend. I hate to break that to you. Some people just don't gel well together. Amen. But for your tribe, for the people that, that not, not yes men and not yes women, some people that will challenge you to be better than who you are, encourage you and strengthen you and pray for you and stand with you and say, hey, man, I got you. But understand that when they go down, you better have them too. Here's where the danger is. The reason that we have become so good at isolating is because somewhere along the line, someone failed us. And so we go, I'll never walk into that box again and get hurt again. And so because of one moment or two moments or three moments, we have completely obliterate the opportunity for others to come around us and create strength in us and around us. Let me help you with something. It's not people that hurt people. It's hurting people that hurt people. And what you have to understand is when someone hurts you, it's because they're hurting. Hurt comes from a hurt place. It doesn't come from a healthy place. So when people hurt you, you need to take a step back and ask yourself, why? What are they going through? See, it's one of those statements like I made like, like, like growing up in our house. My stepdad was physically and verbally abusive. And everybody wants to be mad at him because he was physically and verbally abusive to me. But as I got older, I had to step back and go, but why was he that way? What happened to him? His dad was the same way to him. And he never had anybody to walk through with him what he was hurting. And so I had to step back and look at it and go, he's hurting. And instead of me being mad at the human, let me deal with the hurt. 
Let me address the pain rather than the person. Let me become somebody who's strong in his life, not just he needs to be strong in mine. Can, can I tell you, there have been times in my life, and Hope can attest this, I've had my kids come pray for me. And I've gained strength out of their prayers. Because I needed them. You go, but she's a kid. Yeah, but I believe kids hear from the Lord too. I've had back things. My kids walk in and lay hands on me, and all of a sudden the pain goes away. Why? Because when we came together, two are gathered, agreeing upon one thing, it shall be done. Not hope it will be done. It shall be done. So when she prayed, I had faith to believe that when she was coming in agreement with me, we're better together. We tend to sit back and rather than step in. But God never called us to do this. Let me give you one more story real quick, and then I'm going to close. Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. And while I'm doing this, Ben, if you'll come up here. Um, Rodney, if you'll come back up here. And Troy, no, Paul, if you'll come up here. This will work. This will work. Paul, it's your first time coming on the platform. I know it's going to be awkward, but it's all right, baby, I promise. The lights will blind you. Just don't look at everybody's face and won't mess with you, I promise. Okay. Exodus chapter 17. You ready for this? This is the story God gave me about this one piece. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, or Rephidim, or Rephidim, or however you want to pronounce it, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the, of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses and Aaron climbed to the top of a nearby hill. Let me say this to you for a second. Be careful who you're climbing a hill with. Not everybody was meant to go to the mountain with you. Sometimes we have people in our life, we have lots in our life that want to attach themselves to the promises of our lives, but they will try to steal the blessing in the process. Okay. God gave Abraham a promise. Lot tried to follow him. Abraham looked at Lot and said, bro, you're going to have to go your own way because you weren't meant to inherit this. I was. You can't feed off my promise. There are people around you in life that will want to feed off the promises of God in your life rather than find the ones for themselves. But it says that Moses, Aaron, and Ur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. And it goes on in verse 11. It says, and as long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. So, so let, me, let me demonstrate this for just a moment. Troy, if you'll grab that stool for me real fast. Um, ben, if you'll stand in the middle. Guys, just kind of, you two just take two steps back. Ben, you stand right here. Ben, I need you to hold this staff. Now, I know you want to plant the staff and be like, oh, you shall not pass. Okay, but we're not doing that today. It says that Moses took the staff and lifted it above his head. Okay, now, this is what I started to read when I was, when I was studying this. The staff represented the power of God, the might of God. That's what the staff was used to represent to the people of Israel, that the power of God was in Moses' hand. Okay? So Moses had the power in his hands. And it says that Moses lifted up his hands, and as long as he had his hands up, the, the, the fight, the, the, the warfare was in their, in their favor. But the moment he got weary and lowered his hands, they started to lose the battle. Just because you have the power of God in you does not mean you will never grow tired. Watch. Because here's what we do. We go, I've got the power of God. I'm strong. Ah. You can say it all day long. But we're talking about Moses here, Jack, guys. Come on, seriously. Ten Commandments, Moses, like... 
move of God, part the Red Sea, Moses, like, hello, things you have never done. Okay, so we know this man's been with God, and yet he stands in this moment, and God gives him instructions, says, listen, I need you to hold me up. I need you to demonstrate my power. Moses went into this moment not thinking he would ever grow weary. He went in with the assignment that God gave him. But in the process of going up to the hill where God told him to go, and he did what God told him to do, he began to grow weary. Don't think, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. No one in this room is so full-grown spiritually that they don't get weary. Stop running around going, I don't, I don't get tired. I got the power of God. I got the power of God. Let me help you with something. That's pride. Prove it to you. Moses is holding up this staff. He's holding your arms getting tired yet? Look at right there. Right there. Right there. Right there. Right good. So your shoulders, your shoulders get a little tired right here. Oh, they are kind of tight. That is kind of okay. So so he's holding this up and and, he, and and Ben's going, Pastor, please get to the next point. This sucker's getting tired. I know where you're going, but can you can you please get to the next point? But 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 here's the problem. Most of us end up putting the staff down. And the only reason we put it down is because there's no one around us. Because we thought we had to be the source rather than allow people to come with us. Understanding that Moses went with Aaron and Ur. Aaron and Ur went with Moses because they understood what was happening. And Aaron and Ur had a, had a mandate on their lives to support Moses. So it says in here, it says in verse 12, in the first part, it says, Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Moses' arms began to come down. Yeah, so, so, so this, is, this is us. This is us, right? Come on. Come on. You got saved? You were like this. Yes, I got it. And then life comes sets in. And you try to buckle your knees a little bit to try to keep your arms straight, but you don't really realize that's not going to work. And your, your arms keep coming down. You're like, God, God I'm failing. God, I'm failing. He's like, yeah, because you didn't become part of the flock. You became your own. But God, you gave me this stuff. You gave me your power. I did, but I didn't give it so you could, so you could challenge or, or champion it yourself. I gave it to you so you could demonstrate my power to others and others would want to be a part. I'm trying to show you that this is not about you. It's about them. And so Moses' arms begin to come down. And then it says here, oh, it says, so Aaron and Ur didn't go pick up his arms first. Watch, says Aaron and Ur, you're Aaron and Ur, found a stone and we'll use the stool as the stone, found a stone and placed it behind him so he could sit on it. Now you notice that they did not lift up his hands first. They gave him rest first. So many times when people are around us, they want to speak to the power rather than to the rest. And we forget it is the shalom of God that gives us strength. It is the rest of God that gives us strength. And they said, before we deal with his arms, let us deal with his physical weariness. So let us give him a place to sit. So many times we keep saying, keep going, keep going, keep going. And you need to stop for a second and go sit down, take a breather. It's okay, we got you. Aaron and Ur didn't leave Moses, they stayed with him. They first gave him a seat. They allowed him to rest. When was the last time you brought somebody rest? Okay, watch, 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 watch. If my kids don't do well in school, parents, work with me. We have a tendency to tell them that they're wrong. Did you think they didn't know they were wrong when they brought the F home? They already knew. 
Thank you, Captain Obvious, for reiterating what they already knew. They already walked in with condemnation. They already walked in with fear of our response. They already walked in with the worry of failing. They already worked at, walked in with the problems on their inside. And then what we do is we just re-edify and rebuild that pain on the inside of them rather than sit down. Let's talk about it. Let's get some rest. Let's breathe for a minute. This isn't the end of the world. We're going to get through this together. I'm not going to quit on you. You're not going to quit in the middle of this. We're going to conquer this thing together because I love you too much to watch you fail. I'm going to see you succeed. I'm going to see you fulfill. Not my plans, but God's plan on your life. But this is the process you got to go through. I know school's not fun, but just ride the ride. When you're done, you're done. But we're going to do this together because I'm not okay if you fail. But we've been cultured to, that's an F. Fs aren't allowed in my house. Then they start packing their mental bags ready to leave. You're not going to be a failure in my house. Oh, I guess I can't live here then. I hope, I hope you've never failed, Dad. See, I, I grew up in a house that I was told things like I'd never be more than a ditch digger. I was told I'd be a failure my entire life. I was told I would never amount to anything because of grades. But my dads couldn't stand by me long enough to see the call of God on my life and know that there was a greater purpose for my life. And I began to grow weary, and I began to isolate, and I began to live in a house where I'd walk in the house, go to the back room, shut the door, and disappear. I would come out to eat. That was all I did. I lived in the house in my room. Everything was in my room. All the things I needed was in my room. I didn't want to socialize. I didn't, want, I didn't care. I just wanted to be by myself. So I spent my life growing up being better at isolation and having friends. I, my wife has friends from grammar school. I don't even know what that looks like. I, I don't know what it is to have friends, like lifelong friends. First of all, we moved too much. My dad was military. But second of all, I, I just, it's easier to be alone. Anybody want to join my club for just a second? Anybody ever felt like it's just easier to be alone? That's an assignment of the enemy. Because if he can get you alone, he'll kill you. He'll destroy you. He'll pick you off. You're better together. Your arms getting tired yet? They're getting, they're burning. This is good for you. This is good because watch, this is where we're going to. It says they brought him a chair. They allowed him to rest. And it says on that same verse, it says, then they stood on each side of Moses. Stand on each side of Moses. He said they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands so his hands held steady to the sunset. He held up his hands. Now watch, because I don't think we see this. Watch, hold up his arm. Like just lift up his arms. Your arms feel better now? Look, you just said praise God. He's praise, praise God. Praise God. Now watch this. You notice that it didn't say that Aaron and Ur lifted up the staff. It said they lifted up his hands. If you study this, this is a sign of humility from Aaron and Ur. Understanding who Moses was and his calling. And they said, it is not our responsibility to hold the power of God. It is our responsibility to hold up his hands so that he can continue to hold the power of God. So many times what we want to do is we want to come along somebody and go, here, man, I got your power. Oh, go, grab the stick. Let go of his hand. Grab the stick. The thing is, is that now, <laughs> this is what happens. Oh, you got it. I don't, I don't have to hold it anymore. <laughs> and then now they assume the responsibility as if it was theirs for that assignment. Rather than put your hands back on the power and hold his arms, he was meant to carry that. 
This is what friendship looks like. Friendship doesn't come in. Okay, I'm going to give you a really good standpoint. I'm going to give you a good point. My wife comes up here on the platform, and if you know the history of my wife, she used to never come up on this platform. Ever. Ever. She's like, oh, no, that's your world. That is not my world. I'm not getting up there. I don't like people staring at me. She even told me this morning, she's like, listen, when you get up there, don't go, don't go too long. Let, let me get up there and do what I got to do because I don't like it when you just keep talking. I just got to stand there and look at everybody awkward. Y'all, some of y'all have never stood up here. It's a little weird sometimes. Some of y'all look at me sometimes. I think my flies down or something's wrong. I'm like, why are you staring at me weird right now? Okay. And so, and so she, she was like, I, I don't want to do it. And, and, and I, I have been in ministry since I was 19 years old. And, and, and I used to tell her how she needed to do it. Because I've been doing this a long time. And if you knew, like I know, you'd listen. Hello. And then God said, you know, you're ruining her. Because she's not giving my word, she's giving yours. So leave her alone and let her go. Two, two Friday night fires ago, I was home recovering from surgery. I watched online. I didn't know what hit my wife. But I know she came up here, and we, I joke with her about this because she'll get up here, and, and she, she's, she's breaking through the nerves, and she gets up here, and all of a sudden, she starts to pace. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh, she caught it. <laughs> ooh, they're in trouble. She's coming. And she's like, nah, 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 nah. And now, the crazy part was we had no audio on the live stream, so I was just watching in mute. <laughs> so I really had no idea what she was saying. I'm like, God, what, I trust you, Father, I trust you. Whatever she's doing, I trust. But, I mean, she went off. And God said, see, I, I talked to her. You can be there to support, but don't touch the power I gave her. Because if you touch her power, then she will be walking in you rather than walking in me. And I went, I can deal with that. Why do you think I enjoy letting, going, leaving out of town and letting Pastor Robert or Pastor Dylan or one of the staff members preach? It's not because I want to be away from the church. I celebrate when they do great, and y'all call me and go, Pastor, he killed it. Yes. Pastor, that doesn't affect you. That doesn't affect your pride. You're not afraid somebody's going to take over? No, because it's not my church. It's his. God's given me a team, a great team around me to help us fulfill the mandate that God's placed on tips in my life to reach the people of this city. It is not my mission. It's his mission. And that's what's exciting. And so when he goes and preaches, I'm calling him going, dude, you killed it. Dude, you can see y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. Y'all enjoying holding his arms yet? Good. Just want to check. Um, so I, 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 that day he finished preaching. Y'all didn't catch it. Y'all tell he's talking about his name. He says, his name's Carswell. It meant man lived by a river, right? Man lived by a river. Only thing I could think of was Chris Farley. He says, my name is Matt Foley and I'm a man. I, I'm a motivational speaker and I live in a van down by the river. And so out of love, I found a meme of Chris Farley going, my name is Matt Foley. I'm a motivational speaker and I live in a van down by the river. And he called me and goes, you got it. I was like, yes, I did good. But I, but, I, but I didn't call him and go, hey, hey, listen, man, next time you preach, I think you need to do this, this, and this, and this, and this. I, I celebrated what he did. I celebrated who he was. Whether he thought he killed it or not, because let me help you with something, we walk off this pulpit a lot of times and wonder if we really did something right. You go, but pastor, you saw the altar call. That's how the enemy fights us. When you deliver a word, the enemy comes in and goes, eh, you could have done something a little bit better there. 
And my responsibility is not to come and take his power. Well, if it was me, you should have done it this way. But to come alongside him and go, hey, bub, you did really good. Man, you did awesome. You did good. Why? Because it strengthens him. It gives him courage. It gives him the ability to step up and do it again. Kurt comes up on, on Friday Night Fire and has a word from the Lord about the, about, about the armor. I'm sitting at breakfast with him yesterday, and I said, that's a great word. Not because I didn't deliver it, but because God spoke through him to deliver it. Praise God. You getting tired yet? Starting to, aren't y'all? Now your arms are getting tired. Your arms are getting tired again? Why are you hurting? It's been like over 10 minutes. Well, we got five more to go, so we're okay. It says, and they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands, so his hands held steady until sunset. Okay. Listen, Aaron and Ur didn't do this to show off, but they understood what was at stake. And they understood that it was not about Moses, it was about the people of Israel. And what you don't read before this storyline is that the people of Israel were ready to quit on God. Yet Moses, in all of his compassion for the Israelites and the promise that God has, says, listen, go to battle, and I got you. He heard all the murmuring. He heard how they wanted to kill him, how they wanted to stone Moses. Moses even says, man, these people want to kill me. They think I'm crazy. And he still went up to the hill to cover the Israelites in the middle of a battle. Because he understood that they were better together. Are you willing to stay the course until it's finished? And it says in verse 13, it says, as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in the battle. Another version says that he won the battle. Lower your hand. Praise the Lord. He doesn't realize he has to go to the piano in just a second. It's all right. We'll get him back to your fingertips. It's amen. Listen, there are those of you in this room today that have been in battles and you're weary. You have the power of God, but you need someone to have your back. You have the power. You know the anointing's on you, but you're still weary. For me to be the pastor and look at you in the face and say, I don't ever grow tired, you're crazy. I do get weary. I do get exhausted. There are times I have wanted to throw in the towel. <gasps> no, but yes. I'm human. Thank God I serve a God that loves me through my humanity. And then I have a wife that goes and goes, don't, don't do that. Don't, no. Come on, hold on. I got friends around me that go, come on, we got you. Let's go. Or that pray for me when I, when, they, when I don't even tell anybody I need prayer. We need to pray for pastor. We need to pray for him right now. Because I need it because we go through these moments. But you're going through things. You're dealing with scenarios in your life. And, and some people go, well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to tell anybody what I'm going through because they're mine to deal with. That's the problem. You think you've got it, and you don't. And you'll spend the rest of your life trying to overcome something that God's put people around you so that you can overcome together. That God's placed people around you to bring strength to you. Thank you, guys. Y'all can put this up here. The first step to you... Breaking through in this thing. If you're going through a moment in your life where you need a victory, where you need to break through this battle, the first thing you have to do is to get a better viewpoint. Hmm. Moses didn't go to the battle with Aaron and Ur and Joshua. Moses went to the hill. Why? So he could see from a different perspective. 
Well, Pastor, how do I see from a different perspective? You're going to have to leave where you are and go where he is. There's a danger in the church today where the altar has been completely turned off because it makes us accountable to our walk. See, the altar was built on purpose for us to come and lay down our burdens. But we have all been taught to carry your burdens. But Jesus said, cast your burdens. Lay them down. Pastor, I need a better viewpoint. Good. If you stand in this room, if you're sitting in this room right now, and this is going to be crazy, but, but I need you to work with me. I need you to trust me as your pastor. And I know it's 12 o'clock, and I know all that stuff's happening. You go, Pastor, you went long today. I'm sorry. But you stand in this room right now. You're, you're in this room, and you say, Pastor, I'm going through a battle. If that's you, will you do me a favor? Will you just be bold enough in this moment right now just to stand to your feet and say, that's me. I'm going through a battle. Just going through it. Watch, watch. Gosh, I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. This is, this is tough. And some of you are battling right now. You're, 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 I don't want to stand up. I don't want to stand up because if I stand up, they're going to know. And then if they know, it's going to make me less, less. I'm, 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 gonna, I'm, I'm not going to be the same person. Yeah, you are. You're actually going to be better in a minute. I promise you, in just a moment, you're going to be so much better. Because the first thing I have to get you to do is to step away from the battle. But pastor, if I don't stay in the battle, who's going to fight it? You weren't created to fight the battle. You were created to live in the victory of the one who will. But you got to change your viewpoint. You're so buried in your struggle that you don't know what victory looks like anymore. Moses went to the mountaintop so he could see what the victory would look like. So here's what I really believe in this moment. And I'm praying that you'll trust me through this, that the first step for you in this middle of this battle is for you to get a better viewpoint. So I'm going to ask you to do something. Oh, pastor, don't do it. No, I'm going to. I had a wild thought to make you stand in your chair, but I know everybody couldn't do that. So I want to invite you to the altar. Now, now, hold on, don't move yet, don't move yet, don't move yet. Because I don't want your religious movement. I want your willingness to leave your battle behind. Please do not shove your battle into your pocket and try to carry it to this altar because you will wrestle with God at this place. I'm trying to get you out of the fight and into the promise. If you're in the middle of a battle and you're ready to leave it and lay it down, come to the altar. talking, no one touching. You're in a battle. Just fill in this middle for me. Come on, fill in. Guys, fill in. There's a lot of you. Come on. Ah, I knew I had the right word for the right church. Now, I'm going to say this to you because there are, there are sometimes some of us that have these battles that we go through and we go, well, I, I'm not going to say I have a battle because that's, that's, that you should never say you have a battle. You should always speak by faith. There's a thing called ignorant faith, too. There's a thing called prideful faith that says, I can do it in my own right. I don't need this moment. You need every moment with God. 
But you're standing here. I got a battle. I got a battle. Are you tired? Anybody tired? You weary? Good. Battle should make you tired. You should be weary of battle because battle is not fun. It's not like, ooh, let's go do a battle today. So you've left your battle behind. Now, some of you right now are playing your battle in your head. I know what you're doing. Been here, done this. You're sitting here regurgitating it like, ha, 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 ha. Because what I'm about to do is have you divorce your battle. I'm about to take what's become intimate with you. I'm about to lead you into a place where you lay it down and you don't pick it back up anymore. You finally say enough is enough. I'm done with this. So let me start with this statement. You, 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 all of you are God's favorite. And in you, he is well pleased. Just let that sit for a second. Because I believe that 90% of our fight is because there is a battle that rages on the inside of our own self. We are not satisfied. We feel like we've failed and we've messed up and how... Oh. i never forget when Judah was three, I got mad at him and I gritted my teeth because that's what my dad used to always do to me. And I took two steps back and I watched his face. And I said, God, I failed. And God says, no, you didn't. You caught it, now fix it. I remember grabbing him at three years old and wrapping my arms around him and going, son, I'll never do that to you again. I love you more than my daddy's loved me. And I'm going to love you better. There's nothing you've done that God doesn't still love you. There's nothing you've done that separates his love from you. So first I got to do is get you out of the condemnation of mistakes or past. Let it go. If you didn't do it right, okay, ask God to give you a better way. But let it down. God never called you to walk in condemnation. There is conviction of the Holy Spirit, but God says condemnation is not of him. So let that sucker go. You are not a failure. Failure is when you die and you have no opportunity to change. So you have an opportunity. You've changed your viewpoint. Let the battle drop. But pastor, you don't understand. I don't need to understand. You got to be tired of carrying this foolishness. You've changed your perspective. You've come to the altar. Second step is you have to stop doing this by yourself. There's got to come a point where we stop watching people go through struggle and we leave our place and position and step up and say, I got you. And until this thing subsides, I've got you. Adam, I got you. You don't even know me. How can you have me? I've missed you. Every week I look to see if you're with your wife or single. But you've never come broke bread with me and you've never spent, I don't need to. I got you. And you don't know this, but you and your wife have been on my prayer list for the last two months every day. I carry it in my phone. 
It's okay to be weary. Somebody asked me years ago, they said, Pastor, why do you remember everybody's name? Because if I'm not willing to remember your name, I'm not willing to walk with you. You're not a person in a room with a number. You're a part of this family. How dare me see you any other way? There's a lot of you that are in this room that I've had the opportunity, the blessing, the favor, the honor to walk with you through moments. And the enemy comes in and goes, pastor's too busy. You don't want to mess with him. You don't want to bother him. He's too busy. He's got enough responsibilities. Do y'all know what I signed up to be? A shepherd of sheep. I know my responsibilities. My responsibility is to be an Aaron and Ur in your life so you can hold the power of God in your hands and you can go and win the battles that are before you. So while you're standing up here, do me a favor and lift your hands as high as it will go. This is how I want to close this. Father, I pray supernatural strength over every hand that's lifted right now. Strength. 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 Strength right now. Strength over their bodies, over their minds, over their hearts. If you're you're standing up here, lift them as high as you can. Stretch as high as you can. Get that full stretch. Just just grab it all. I'm going to get it. says that God will uphold you with his mighty right hand. Whose strength are you tapping into right now? Some of your arms want to come down right now. You say, I'm tired, Pastor, I'm tired. It's too long. I can't do this anymore. No, put them back up. Because when you get weak, you have to tap into his strength. Tap in. Your strength, God. I need your strength. You can't do it on your own. You got to tap into His. Now, watch. You're standing there right now with your hands lifted. I want you to reach over and hold somebody's arm up right where you're standing. Grab somebody's arm and hold it up. Watch, 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 watch. Just find an arm. Find an arm. Hold it up. Find an arm. Hold it up. Find an arm. Hold it up. Where did that pain go? Where did that struggle go? It went away, didn't it? You're like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> Woo. Jeez, I thought I was going to be able to handle it any longer. But look what God's doing. You're finding out that you will gain strength because you're better together. You're finding strength right now. I feel the presence of God so thick right now. It's not even funny. Woo. 
feel that victory? It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming right now. That victory is yours. Come here. Mm, Jesus. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. See, now, now, now you're starting to walk into it because you're like, ah, I don't have to do this on my own anymore. I'm getting this thing. I'm going to get my way out of this thing. I bind the spirit of isolation and aloneness, the spirit of rejection and abandonment off of these people. I bind that spirit in the name of Jesus. I declare a spirit of relationship to fall in this house like never before. A desire to be together. A desire to relate to one another. A desire to stand with one another. To pray with one another. To hold each other up until it's over. I declare victory in the name of Jesus. Put your hands down and look at me for two seconds. That's how I close. Next week, we're going to have a lot of fun because the whole sermon is nothing but illustration. But I want to give you this last piece of scripture. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 and 3. It says, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. I love what the New Living Translation says in this. It says, if you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I love that. Just when you think you are, you're not. But we are to share each other's burdens. Have you taken the time to find out the burden of the person standing next to you? Pastor, I got burdens of my own. But you might find your victory when you start helping someone else. I find out my struggles get much less when I start helping others. Just close your eyes for just a second. I feel it's it's residue from Friday night. There's a fresh visitation that's coming on your house. Your whole house. In fact, come stand next to him. Come stand next to him. I need you right next to him. Put your arm in his arm. There you go. All, all your kids, come here. This is your parents. Get over here. Where are they? I know there's a couple of them. Come here. Not that there's brokenness, okay, so I'm not, but I feel like there's a fresh move of God over this whole family. Boys, look at me. This is going to freak you out, but I'm going to do it anyway. But both of you have been called by God 
And it's not because of him. And it's not because of her. It's because God picked you. And you go, what does that mean? I don't know. Don't ask. Talk to him. Look at me. This is going to lose you cool points. You know where I'm going. Like, come on, man. Why you got to throw me under the bus like that? Trust me. This is going to give you inroads that no one could find. talk to you that messes with you? You're like, ah, stop. It's only going to get bigger. There is a prophetic unction on your life to prophesy the word of the Lord. Watch to your friends pastor don't go there why why you got to go there trust me because they're next to you because there's something in you that they need you hear me stop running stop it now because the voice will only get louder until he gets all of your attention just receive it i know it's not easy but isn't it good to know that he's got a purpose and you're just not existing. Young man, do me a favor. Take your hands and just hold them right here. Like, guys, y'all guys, bear with me. If you need to go home, go home. But I, I'm, I'm in the moment. I got to do this. You've been given an anointing to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You have an issue with people that are hurting, don't you? It bothers you, doesn't it? Big time. That's, that's, that's that call on your life. God says he's going to use you to minister to those who are broken. Got it? And when he tells you to do it, move. Don't fight. Don't be like, oh, God, come on, seriously, right now? Yes, right now. I'm tired of a generation waiting till they're 40 to be used by God. You're here now. You might as well do it now. Got it? Mom and dad, this is the word of the Lord for the both of you. Well done. Well done. You hear me? Well done. Stop. Well done. Dad, stop questioning whether you did it right. These boys love me. Am I wrong? Y'all love that man, don't y'all? Like deeply. That is my dad. Embrace this moment. Your, Your house will never be the same after tonight. You hear me? I've had people years tell me, you knew the story. I've never talked to them. Ever. Ever. Adam, how much we talk? <laughs> He's like, none. That's how God moves. He says, listen, you don't have to have the answer. You walk with me, and I'll give you the words for the moment, and then I'll show you how to give strength to the people around you. Stop thinking you got to have all the answers. Just be willing and able to walk into the room and say, I got you. I'm with you, but not by yourself. Let's do this together. Come back next week, and I'm going to teach you about a three-stranded cord. 
It's going to mess your stuff up. And we're going to walk out of this month better together. Slap somebody a high five right now. Tell them I'm better because of you. Now, Father, take us from this place. Give us traveling mercies as we go home. Let your anointing be upon us, God. Let this be an amazing week. Let us be better together. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all God's kids said, don't forget.